0: Hello, and welcome to Fancy Black Lady. I'm your host, Jamila Carrington-Smith. And I'm your host, Landria Seals Green. One quick note before we get started. If you love Fancy Black Lady, tell your friends about us. And for those of you who are Apple Podcast listeners, be sure to leave us a rating. In fact, leave us a review. Tell us what really works for you about the show. It helps us understand what people love, and it also helps new listeners find us. Thanks. Let me
1: tell you, these kids going to college, I'm like, listen, you can't can't date during the pandemic. Can you date during the pandemic?
0: I mean, their bodies are saying date, date, date. And so, you know, it's just really hard to fight the biology of it all. They are 18 and 19 years old. Their prefrontal cortex won't even be fully developed for another like six or eight years. So uh, is it really fair? to have them go back to college and say, well, you know, the safe thing to do is to not do everything that your biology is telling you to do. So it's just a recipe for disaster, I think.
1: That's how I want to start. Did you always want children? Um, because I don't know if I, I, I wanted five children. I wanted five. Why?
0: Why five?
1: Because I like the number. I mean, it wasn't scientific. I didn't think about the eco- um, economics of five children. I didn't. But I, I knew I wanted five children. And then as I started working in my career more and more, I realized that I did not want five children. Right. Maybe one. But there, was this, there wasn't this um, huge tug that I felt to be a mother... Nor, if I could be honest, there was not a huge tug for me to also be married. I, I was okay not being married and not having children because I was so into the work that I was doing. Right. There was this um, little girl I was teaching Sunday school, and um, I was asking the kids in Sunday school what they wanted to be a long time ago. And she said that when she grew up, she wanted to be a mother. And I thought, why would you grow up to want to be a mother? Hmm. That's what I thought when she said it to me and she was seven years old. I want to be a mother when I grow up. And I thought, well, your mother hasn't done a good job. And if that's all you want to be, that's what I thought. Yeah. And that stayed with me. And I got a flashback. Because about a month ago, my daughter came up to me and she says, mommy, I want to be big. I want to be just like you. And I want to be a mother. And I thought, that's that's all you want to be? And I thought, that's a lot. That's enough. You know, I changed my perception or my attitude about, um, and I am feel bad that I didn't... Um, maybe you applaud the little girl in the Sunday school, Sunday school class who said, when I grew up, I want to be a mother. Cause you know, you yeah. applaud people who say, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. And she wanted to be a mother. And I just thought to myself, why that's it. And when my daughter said it to me, I thought, yeah, because being a mother is a lot. And then there's, there's so many people who Who choose not but did you all did you always want children did you know you would be a mother
0: well I felt like if I wasn't careful I would be a mother because my own mother has threatened me with our family's fertility for as long as I can remember but no I didn't want to be anybody's mother and I never really imagined myself as anybody's mother I had a similar, you know, reaction to people who wanted to be a mother. It's like, well, that sounds like something that's incidental. It doesn't sound like something that is aspirational. Right, right. It's like anybody can trip and fall and become a mother. But but they can't. Well, not only can they not, quite literally, but also to be a mother is an aspiration. The way that little girl said it is an aspiration. Yeah, And I think um, I certainly didn't value it as an aspiration. I didn't even recognize it, you know, let alone, you know, being able to assign any value to it as an aspiration. It just, um, it didn't exist in that way for me. Like, why would you want that?
1: Right, right. I always thought it was something that just happens to you. You just become a mother, but you don't aspire to be a mother until I was aspiring to be a mother.
0: Hmm. Well, I think by the time I decided that I wanted to be a mother, at that point, I had been on birth control for so long, I wasn't even sure, you know, if things would work out the way I wanted them to. And it turns out that you you don't just trip and fall and get pregnant, as it turns out. No. Um, like, sometimes you have to work on it. That was weird. But yes, ultimately, I did become somebody's mother to somebody's mothers. Fortunately, the journey itself wasn't a difficult journey. There were other difficult things along the way. Yeah, our journey
1: was, it became an aspiration, it became a mission. Um, When infertility became a word in our household, and I just never thought that word would be associated with with me, I thought that was, I honestly thought it was for women who didn't look like me to be very Mm -hmm. honest um, Mm -hmm. because that's, that's what the, the market share shows us. Um, So when it was me, I, I thought, Hmm, this is different. So let's fix it. So I became, I got on this journey to fix it, but my journey to fix it was also in alignment with how I fix things so I, I'm i not, a, I don't like, you know, surgery as a thing to do. So I wasn't going that, that route. I didn't like all of the procedures. So I thought if I can do acupuncture, um, if I can do a, couldn't do a massage. And I thought about this today because I was cleaning out one of my desk drawers and came ac- upon the DVD for infertility massage that I bought. And then all, and then the card of the naturopathic person who does all of the, um, the the different things. And I thought I should keep his card just because it's a memory, but there are many people who aspire to be and have to work hard at it, um, medical interventions and all. And I was one of those people, um, Unfortunately, um the first one without medical intervention, but the second one just happened. Um I'm a mother of two, but then you become a mother, right? Um and I'll just say the our first child we you know, we adopted. And I always felt like when you adopt, they want you to say thank you, and you should say thank you. Yes. But they also make you feel like you shouldn't be tired. You shouldn't be any of those things because you have this baby. And it came to me that, no, the baby still cries at night and you still get up at two o'clock in the morning. I don't care if the baby came from you um, naturally or out of your heart. You are still doing the hard work of mothering.
0: Yes. 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 And it is more than a notion turns out it's a little more than incidental <laughs> and aren't we all still aspiring and motherhood, we are all still aspiring to, to be, be the a kind mother. Of mother we would like to be yes yes I would like to be a mother I would like to be the kind of mother that lives in my mind yes
1: I want to be the kind of mother that I want to be like <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> you love your children, you, you know, hard won, however they came. And then all of a sudden you're in the middle of work during the pandemic, they walk in and, you know, Toni Morrison says that when your children enter a room, you should look at them like they are joy. And sometimes I don't look at my children like they are joy. And I feel Toni Morrison tapping me on the shoulder. Landria, if she were my friend, Landria, you need to look at At your children as if love has just walked in the room and sometimes noise has walked
0: inside the room and i just
1: i can't
0: well look my younger one has figured out how to place himself somehow when i'm on like a zoom conference call and i'm looking at the camera and i am talking he somehow figured out how to place himself also in my sight line and be talking to me while I am talking now (laughs) I love my children and I do try to look at them like they are joy and it's also true like pandemic has made me a better parent I am a better parent just because they're with me that's a thing but just that thing where it's just like it's not only that he's walking in and he needs something it's just like are you trying to mess me up
1: Yes, I don't are. really
0: believe you're trying to mess me up, mm-hmm. but that's exactly what you're doing is you are messing me up. Like maybe he just has so much faith in his mother that he believes that nothing can mess her up. But really what he's talking to me about is something that we have been over and over and over and over again. It's like, I told you not to talk to me about this thing until you have made your bed. Right. And so, yeah, he places himself in my sight line, bed unmade. Of course, I know this already asking me for this thing that i told him not to ask me about and so sometimes i'll just be on a call and people will see me kind of look to the side with a little bit of an angry look, look and my lips get tight and i shake my head no and i come back to the call <laughs> see see that that's not joy that's
1: not the joy that tony morrison speaks of and that well, is the look that i have on balance on, on my... balance
0: There's it's right it's... it's not in that moment
1: <laughs> not in that moment but it's, it, it's really, it, yes, they're trying to mess you up. Yes, these children have figured out how to put themselves on the side view, not be seen by your audience, but seen oh, by you. Only me. Yes, only you. But, you know, I, I always think about when I went to all of the different appointments to try to find answers and had all of the different types of um, appointments when we had to complete all mountains upon mountains of paperwork and there is a, you are going after motherhood in a way that you just didn't imagine. Right. And it's not sexy. It's not romantic. It is expensive and you have to front the cost of the, of creating your family. And I always think in the space of especially what's happening now what has that done to women who are trying to capture motherhood for themselves?
0: Mm.
1: Like, what do those appointments look like? Are you still having those appointments? What does that support network still look like? Is it still present for you? Like, those are real, real things that um, I think about because I was in that position and I don't know. But is it everything you thought it would be? And when does that change? And what about women who don't want children? Do we leave room for them? Do we allow people to say, I don't want children? Without saying, well, what's wrong with her? Well, why doesn't she have kids yet? Or, when, or my favorite is when a couple gets married, people are like, so when the baby's coming?
0: It is so invasive and it's obnoxious, really. It's so crass. Really. yes. It's obnoxious.
1: Yes. And then after year two, they're like, so when are y'all going to have a baby? And it's thinking, you know, some people don't want
0: children. Well, we wanted to be married. We just wanted to be married for a little while. We weren't even trying to have children. I think we were maybe five years in before we even started.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We were we were five. And then I was like, what's happening here? What's going on? And I remember going to my first OBGYN appointment and the doctor was like, girl, it's fine. It takes a minute. And I thought to myself, any medical practitioner who starts off a medical visit with girl should not be my doctor. Oh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) she was trying to, she was trying to put you at ease. No,
1: it wasn't really. It made me uncomfortable because we were not, we were not in the kitchen. We were in her office and, I, and she gave me a, yeah. a photocopy of a piece of paper. I was like, I don't even know how to read this diagram. I'm not good at this. But she said, girl, it's fine. And I thought, girl, it's not. And turns out it wasn't. So yeah. I
0: thought, let's not waste any more time. I was pregnant and gave birth to my first child. And um, my husband had just taken a job across the country in Florida. And so uh, at that time, I was too pregnant to fly down there with him to check the place out. And I told him, hey, look, if you go and it's cool, then we're moving. Because this was the sense of adventure I had as a young professional with no children. And so I had this child and um, I lived in my house for three weeks with him living in Florida with this child and um and then i moved to florida now when i went there i had no family there no friends there and we moved at the beginning of summer which is like moving to michigan at the beginning of winter if you oh, nice. Never, nice yeah very nice i mean i would try to go to the gr- i would go to the grocery store and take the baby just to get myself out of the house and because we needed things And the heat was such, it was just so intense that I couldn't leave the baby in the cart and then put the groceries in the car because it was too hot. I couldn't put the baby in the car and turn the air conditioning on because the car wouldn't cool down quickly enough for me to put the groceries in the trunk as well. And so... A trip to the grocery store and this this whole business of trying to you know groceries and baby and putting them in the car and literally the one minute that that took resulted in now the baby has diarrhea because he's overheated and you know that's what a trip to the grocery store buys me is a baby with diarrhea and this whole time and you know my older one he was a beautiful baby just like unreasonably beautiful like not even fair how beautiful he was And so people would stop us all the time, like, Your baby is so beautiful. You must love. Look at you, new mama. You love it. And I'm just like, You don't know me. I don't love this. What are you even talking about? I had never babysat a day in my life. Me? I didn't know any babies. You know, like you. And I didn't even think I wanted this for the longest time, and then when I have this baby, I move across the country where nobody knows me I had built a professional identity, nobody knew me as that. they only saw me as this child's mother. and by the way, he looked so much like my husband. he looked nothing like me, and so I'm looking at him and I'm like, "Well, I know who the daddy is, but who's the mama because I'm looking at this kid, and I'm not looking at myself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: People don't talk about, they don't tell that story enough. The story of a simple trip to the grocery store is no longer simple. It's not. It's complicated. It's so complicated. And then you have the baby that doesn't look like you. And yeah. The whole thing just
0: felt surreal. It really felt surreal. Like I didn't know what was happening. I just, I, I, I am so thankful for the internet. Cause I do not know what people did before the internet. The best thing I read on the internet, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in this place with we were this baby. Stupid. The baby is crying. No, I, we were look, we were stupid with encyclopedias baby, encyclopedia
1: Britannica.
0: Some of us were in danger. Cause I know that <laughs> I looked on the internet. And the best thing I read on the internet was the baby can't fall off the floor. So there were times when I put him on the floor in the other room and I went to the other end of this apartment that we were living in. And I just, I just had to be like that for a while.
1: So were you, do you think that you had
0: postpartum depression? Yes. Yes. 100%. Absolutely. This was, this was, you know, not healthy behavior. This was, yes, I absolutely had postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So what, what did you do? Well, I was I was in it and I didn't realize it. And yeah. we're adjusting to this life and my husband is working, he's away. I mean, he would come home and I would practically throw the baby at him and just leave. He's like, Where are you going? I'm like, To Target. He's like, Are you coming back? I'm like, I don't know. I know. Um, that becomes a
1: thing. <laughs> I know. Are you coming back? Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like, Well, Mama's going to get some cigarettes and uh... <laughs> Yeah. It's so funny.
1: It's so funny. Having having our first child made me, so I've always, you know, people talk about breastfeeding. They talk about all of these different things, right? And it's, it's healthier for the baby and it's something that you should do. But when your baby didn't necessarily come, not necessarily, did not, um, was gifted to you, in a sense you are fortunate enough to adopt you 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 know feeding a baby in public people are they look like well why aren't you um breastfeeding yes. cuz the baby is young yes. or you go buy formula there is that judginess and so i will probably say having our first child moved me to a level of i don't care In a way that i didn't have before so buying the formula doing what was necessary because the point of having a baby is not necessarily breastfeeding or formula feeding and having that be like this choice and um all of these things it's really about making sure the baby stays healthy um and eats when our son turned one i gave myself a present i was like he's still alive. He is healthy. I did it because I wasn't the the little girl who babysat. No, I wasn't. If we had a cousin that stayed at our house, my mother watched the baby. I didn't babysit. So I wasn't the one that babysat. I grew up with a mother who did not think it was great for us to hold babies Mm
0: -hmm. because Mm -hmm.
1: she thought, you know, and she would say openly, Well, mothering is so much more than holding the baby. And I don't want you to get used to it and think that this is cute Hmm. and this should be your way of life. So we didn't hold babies growing up. So when I gave my son a bath, that was the first time I had ever given a baby a bath. Yes, me too. Yes. I didn't know. I had to look it up. What should get wet? What should not get wet? Um, And like you, I had a beautiful baby. He was beautiful, and this baby looked just like me. And I was astonished and baffled. And um, I always found it funny when I would go pick out things before the baby was born, because you know you're you're adopting, you know you're gonna need stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, how many months are you? And I'm like, zero. Um, and so it's always those types of things that you have to explain to people that I never felt that I, that it was just odd. It was just odd. So I, I always, um, think about mothers differently because I had a different experience. Like, Mm -hmm. what is, what does that look like for, like, I take nothing for granted, nothing.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you mentioned breastfeeding. I was pregnant with both of my children. I um, wanted to breastfeed, but I did not. And I know a lot of people talk about breastfeeding, but you know, I, I honestly think that with my first one, all of the circumstances that, you know, led to the postpart, I, I think this was another ingredient to that Yeah. because of course, when you breastfeed, there's the oxytocin and you feel like he doesn't look like me, but he's mine and I can feel it. I'm giving him my life, you know, I'm giving him his milk. But um, he wouldn't latch, couldn't latch. And it wasn't until he was older that um, the doctor realized that it's because his frenulum was too far forward, the thing that Mm. ties your tongue to the bottom of your mouth. Yeah. So he was tongue tied. But, you know, you're a new mother and people are assuming that you are the one who's doing everything wrong. And, you know, I didn't know. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm doing it wrong. And so it felt really terrible that I was unable to give my child the nourishment he needed. So I ended up having to supplement with formula. I had this, you know, tube running over my shoulder. So, you know, that when he would breastfeed, it was like both the tube and my nipple in his mouth. And it just felt terrible. And ultimately, we moved just 100% to formula and it felt like a total failure on top of all the things that made me feel disconnected from the situation. Wow. And then when my younger one was born, he was ill with some issues that made it impossible for him to keep food down. And Mm -hmm. so he would, he would, everything would come back up. And so um, it was the first time that I was breastfeeding successfully and I could feel what it felt like when a child is really latching but he couldn't keep it down. And so there's this feeling that my body has nurtured him this whole time and yet my body can't sustain him. And this was before I knew the extent of the issues that we were having, but none of it was uh, was good or successful in that way. So I, 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 I have had some real trauma around both my babies.
1: It sounds very traumatic and it feels like You know, women have all of these things, it it just feels awfully traumatic. It feels awfully, it feels like there's a psychological war that happens. Um, so you, you you want a baby. You do all the things to get a baby. You cry. You you know if, if it hasn't happened yet, you have all the emotions associated that. Well, to, I mean, if we that. start
0: even further. We spend half our lives trying not to have a baby, and then you're trying to have a baby. I hear you. I hear you.
1: And then the baby comes, and then there's this whole there's this whole other thing, and then for the person who lost a baby how you know the baby you know there's so many other things so when our daughter was born um she was a surprise i didn't even know that she would be possible it just happened and i, I think i was in shock for the entire time i was pregnant the mm-hmm. entire time i was in shock but i was also high risk That's so what you I have you. hey girl hey girl <laughs> it's so funny because we were going to your house. I was like, I don't even have a shirt that fits. I don't have a good shirt that fits. And so I went to the store and I was like, I need a shirt and I need a good shirt because you know, you, I don't know. I don't know about you, but part of me. Um, so when our son was born, I was still trying to, you know, run my practice, do all of these things, you know, have the baby, I brought him to work. I strapped him around my body. I was still working with other people's children while my son was strapped to me. I mean, I was trying to do all of those things. And then one day I was like, I'm getting a nanny. I am getting a nanny because these are the choices that I have made for me. Mm -hmm. He shouldn't have to be part of these choices. Mm -hmm. He should be able to wake up when he wakes up, he should be able to play, get the nurture that he needs as a baby throughout the day. And the choices that I made from my career, I need to go out there and do whatever it is. And then you keep working because you gotta pay for the nanny, right? You gotta pay for the people that are coming inside your house. Um, But our daughter was born and she was in the NICU for a while. Um, the joke is, is that my very good friend, Christy, will say, you know, she's not a real preemie. And <laughs> she says that because our daughter was three pounds and her son was one pound. She's like, oh she's goodness. not a real preemie. <laughs> That's her joke. She's not a real preemie. But... You know, that part, that was a lot. That was a lot. The nurses and trying to get her to gain weight and trying to feed her. And, you know, should we give her a tube? Should we not? It was a lot. And it's like, the baby is here. The baby is here. Check. Now, this other work that you did not plan for, this psychological thriller that's about to play in your head is now here. So sometimes I'm like... Maybe the original plan, and I love my children, I love my children, they add a sense of uh love and home to me um and I to them, and I absolutely appreciate their presence, but this is no walk in the park no it's just not it's not a walk in the park at all. So how did you maintain your career what what did that ha what happened with that?
0: Oh, I got a nanny. I mean, <laughs> right. And I did not work in spaces that were friendly to children. I worked in the kinds of spaces where you had to pretend you didn't have children. Mm. So, um, yeah, I had a nanny and thank goodness she was wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. However, to this day, <laughs> I blame her. She's wonderful, 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 wonderful. Hi, Mariella. But to this day <laughs> I blame her for the fact that my older son is one of those people who thinks like mayonnaise is spicy it has taken me many years to get this child's palate like anywhere even in the ballpark of the rest of the family (laughs) did you say mayonnaise is spicy i said that (laughs) what did she do i mean it just had to do with her personal Preferences and the way she cooks and the way she Mm -hmm. does stuff. She just insisted that kids like chicken nuggets, and I didn't know anything about kids, and I had to work. So I was like, I'll buy some chicken nuggets. And then I just, it was chicken nuggets and applesauce (laughs) well into like second and third grade, right? And I'm like, I hate this. (laughs) I hate this. In the meantime, I've got my younger son who came up with me. And so this is the kid who's eating a bowl full of mussels and, you know, he'll eat like, he's like, well, jalapenos aren't that spicy. I really like this thing with the, um, what did he, what did I, oh, oh, I made this dish with poblano peppers and he's like, well, the poblanos are really good and they're not as spicy as the jalapenos, but both of them aren't that spicy. I'm tough enough, whatever. (laughs) And in the meantime, I've got the kid who's just like, yeah, I don't want any of that. Can I just have some, (laughs) can I just have some chicken nuggets? (laughs) But yes, you're right about, because with my younger one, we had some very serious health issues. And we lived in the hospital with him for, uh, I don't know, maybe two months. Like, it was so bad that I've told you, my mind has almost blotted out this period in my life. There are whole blocks of detail that I don't remember. For example, I don't remember what happened with my older son. I know that a close family friend flew in I remember telling her that day, we're in the hospital, this is what's happening. And she flew from Edwardsville, Illinois and stayed in our home with my child. And then other people came and stayed in my home with my older child. And I have no memory of Mm -hmm. how people did the rotations or whatever, because my husband and I were both living in the hospital with the younger child. Um, Wow. And we almost lost him. And that's a whole other story that's a whole other thing. You know, it's funny because you kind of put yourself at ease by, by saying no matter how bad things are, someone else here is in a, in a tougher situation. So there was the day when I was walking with the surgeon to the um, cafeteria and at that point, you know, my husband and I are both high information people. We are people who have engaged all the doctors. We're living at the hospital and we are, you know, always inquisitive about what's happening and holding conversations because now we have all information and we're just trying to work through this stuff. So I'm walking with him and I'm talking. And I remember it was a couple of days before Christmas and he said, and he wasn't being insensi- insensitive, so it's not nothing, nothing bad about what he did at all, but he goes, well, you have the sickest kid in the building. So, and it just hit me. It just, mm. it, it hit me. So, <laughs> you know, it took away any feeling that uh, any sense of perspective um, that in this very large, very renowned children's hospital that we have the sickest child in the building. And it was just the worst anyway. Um, but I was going to say, right. So afterward the whirlwind after we have gotten over this huge hump and I'm just like, wow, wait, you're sending him home with a nurse, right? Cause who's supposed to do, wait, what? I'm supposed to take care yeah. of this? He has an incision from the right side of his abdomen all the way over to the left side of his abdomen. And I'm supposed to do, you know, I'm supposed to, when the baby rips out the feeding tube, I'm supposed to be the one who over his crying objections, put it back inside of him, through his nose and down his esophagus. I'm supposed to do all that. That was horrifying. It was horrifying. I'm supposed to keep up with 17 different medications and give them to him four different times a day and make sure that all the dosages are right and all of everything. So anyway, I just feel like all of that cultivated a certain kind of, I'm gonna be very loose, it cultivated a certain kind of crazy in me that persists to this day. Now, it exists at a much lower level than before but when the right set of circumstances comes along, like a global yeah. pandemic, oh. um, it puts me in a place where I just feel like people really need to not mess with me because they have no idea where I'm coming from.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like um, when people have children and I, I work in a field where people have children and um, they get diagnoses that the parents did not. It's not the dream. It's not the dream. Like no one no one dreams of, when I have this baby, we're going to spend a few months in the hospital. Yeah. When I have this baby, we're going to have to learn how to put a feeding tube in. When I have this baby, he's not going to learn language as fast as he learns language. Or, you know, and then when he gets older, he may still be in our home living with us as our French children are going away to college. This now grown uh, this much older person developmentally is not ready for the world's for what the world says he should be ready for. Oh wow. Um, and that is always something that I think about maybe because of the work that I do. I mm-hmm. think in part because of the work that I do, but chasing parenthood, you know, people don't necessarily plan for those things, but those things happen. That's yes. somebody's reality. Yeah. It's someone's reality. And it's like, as we're planning to rock the baby, what if you have the baby that doesn't like to be rocked? Cause I had a baby that, that didn't like to be rocked. And so I had to figure her out and I had to figure it out fast so that she could feel comfort because she didn't like to be rocked, mm-hmm. nor does she like to sit in the car seat for longer than two minutes. So that was a, like, and we go somewhere. The answer is no. And, um, I remember when my um our son was born and I said, you know, I just need to get him on a schedule. And my mother said to me, He didn't ask to come in this world. So he can't get on your schedule. Your job is to get on his. Yeah. And I always think about that when people talk about sleep schedules and all this. And I get people need to sleep. Don't get me wrong. I get people need to sleep, but the baby is the baby this is Mm -hmm. what they you know um at what point do we we stop making them adjust to our our crazy lives of career and um moving moving and shaking or do we say thank you for coming thank you for being here and i am at your service although these days i'm like at the service i'm a i'm an administrative assistant for my kids as they you know, we're homeschooling, remote learning. But in a sense, we chase parenthood. We we get it finally, if that's what we want. And then it comes with all of these things that we didn't ask for. And so we just have to adjust like you did and learn what you didn't plan to learn.
0: Learn what you did not plan learn to learn. Learn what you didn't
1: plan to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But your son is now how old? Because I have to make sure that we uh, end on the note that he is older. You're past
0: that in a sense.
1: In a good, in a big sense. In a big sense.
0: We're past it. He's yeah. nine, he's healthy, he is doing really well in all the ways physically, emotionally, academically. He's, you know and well academically academically he's my child (laughs) is what i will say uh he's more than fine Um, (laughs) and he's funny He's he's funny he's funny he's funny he's funny he's deadpan and he's so he's funny um but doesn't it take you back to that little girl and so when she says i want to be a mother i just feel like maybe that child knew something that we didn't even though she she knew not at all you know what may lie ahead for her as a mother i feel like in that moment she knew more than you or i did before we became mothers
1: because when you are a mother that is what that that is one thing that's a big job that's a huge job
0: and it never goes away and it does not go away
1: Thanks for listening to Fancy Black Lady. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and visit our store at fancyblacklady.com. And as always, keep it fancy.